Hey, thanks so much for being here. This is My City Church, and this is our podcast. We hope you are inspired to love God, love people, and lead in life. Enjoy the message. Good morning, 1115 service. How are we doing today? Come on. I'm obviously not Pastor Eli. If Pastor Eli was Thor, I'm Fat Thor. Thank you, Thor, for normalizing fat superheroes in the name of Jesus. Come on. <laughs> All jokes aside, my name is Danny. I'm the creative pastor here alongside my amazing wife, Hannah. Uh, and I have the honor of continuing uh, in our collection of talks, Church, It's a Group Project, this week. Um, pastor Eli did such a brilliant job kicking it off last weekend with United We Stand. United We Stand. Uh, he said, the devil is not afraid of a big church, but the devil is afraid of a united church. Amen. Hey, hey, do me a favor. If we're all gonna clap, let's clap together. We're a united church. Come on, come on, somebody. I gotta throw that in there for you. It's gonna be a great day in the house, already has been, uh, but I have the honor of continuing our collection, like I said, and we're gonna talk around the topics today. Uh, divided we fall. Divided we fall. So let's pray. God, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for everything that you're doing right here in my city church and in the city of Omaha and in each and every single one of our lives. God, we pray that you would continue uh, to move, continue to use us, continue to do what only you can. We put expectation on you today, God, to do what you do best. We love you. And all God's people said... Amen, amen. Hey, really quick, I want to take a moment uh, before we go any further. I want to celebrate a couple people here um, that are on the creative team at my city. I have the mic, so I get to do this. Um, but the first person I want to celebrate is Steph Rohr. Steph, are you in the room? I don't know. On the stairs. <laughs> Steph does not just sing on a regular basis, but Steph uh, does so much on the backside of uh, worship all the admin, the scheduling, chasing people down, helping plan sets, helping uh, worship leaders uh, worship lead. Um, and Steph, you do such an amazing job. Can we give her a round of applause one more time? One more person I wanted to celebrate. Uh, it's your boy, Tyler Savoy, in the booth. Tyler is our front of house engineer. Uh, he does such a great job. It's not an easy job mixing audio on a regular basis. Um, and Tyler, you do a great job. Um, if you have any opinions about the sound, don't bring them to me. Take them to Tyler. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> nice. Um, but hey, I, wa I, wanna, I wanna introduce myself a little bit. I don't really like talking at people, um, but I'm really great in conversation and I love having conversations with people. Um, so I, I need a little call and response this morning. I wanna feel a part of the crowd today. Um, but I wanna start with just sharing um, a little bit about me. That way you guys can get to know me a little bit more. Um, and the number one reason as to why you should trust what I have to say today is because of my beautiful wife, Hannah, um, Hannah is truly the better half of me. Um, you're so compassionate. You have such a servant's heart. Uh, thank you for everything that you do, not only uh, in our home, but in our house. Um, it would not be the same without you. Um, and I love you. You're hot. So. Um, we, Hannah and I also have a little girl. Her name is London. She is brilliant. Um, she's so cute, so smart. Um, I say that she gets all of the smarts from her mom and all of the honoriness from her dad. 
I like, to, I like to blame it on Hannah, but anybody that knows me knows that it just is what it is. You get the honoriness from me. Um, and she's so honored. The other day, we were sitting at home, and uh, we're sitting on the couch just lounging around, and I ask her for a hug, and she laughs and runs away and says no. And I do this fake cry thing. Now, we do this fake cry thing. Don't judge me, because it's not a parenting pro tip, but I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm not the type of person that's gonna feed her kale and make sure she has range-free chicken eggs and all of that. We're gonna go to McDonald's every once in a while because we're an American, amen? Amen. So we do this fake cry thing, okay? And we're just we're joking around, and she runs away from me, and I'm just like, <laughs> and we all said, aw, aw, thank you. Um, and usually she's super sweet with it. Usually she walks up and she'll like pat my head or rub my arm and say, it's okay, daddy, it's okay. And this time though was so different. She runs over across the couch to me and she gets this close to my face and she goes, hey, 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 no. <laughs> and I didn't know in that moment to be super proud of her because that's how I respond to people emotionally. Or to go, ouch, that really hurts. I need to think about how I respond to people emotionally, you know? I'm like, if any one of my team members is, feels like I did in that moment, I got a lot to change and a lot to work on on the inside here. Um, but I think something else that you really need to know about me is that I am a serial offender of the I need to get in shape problem. Anybody else in that, in that lane with me? A few, okay. A serial offender of the I need to get in shape problem. Here's the thing though, I think I've figured out my cycle. I've figured out the ebbs and flows that I go through, um, but honestly, this last experience was a little bit traumatic for me, so I've just given up working out altogether. I'm, I'm officially a victim of the dad bod, uh, but I've accepted it, so don't pray for me, pray for my wife in it, she has to live with it every single day. So, so here's the deal, I, I, I've gone to the gym, and when it was 2020, I, I didn't necessarily have anything else to do, so I trained with Pastor Casey, and I think there was just a handful of days that I actually missed in that whole year going to the gym. And here's the deal, I was on one. I was deadlifting over 500 pounds, I was squatting over 500 pounds, I was benching over 300 pounds, and I was, I was in it. But there was one day that my mind just said, hey, you're done. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm done going to the gym now. <laughs> Here's the thing about my, my mental status, though. I can have a 100% resolution to do something, and then when somebody else says something, like, in that same lane, I immediately flip, and I say, yeah, nah, man, that's not me. I can say, you know what, I'm going to the gym today. And then I get that text from Pastor Casey, hey, bro, you wanna hit the gym today? And immediately I'm just like, no, that's a horrible idea. I don't know who would ever think about that. <laughs> And so I go, I go through these battles, right? I've been a couple times now over the last year or so. I've, I've gone a week here, a week there. Um, I've gone a couple days here, a couple days there. Uh, but what, what, what I'm running into is the fact that my mind is actually picking up right where I left off in 2020, but my body was left behind because I've neglected it over the last year. And I found that my mind is actually in disagreement with my body. And last week, we, we learned that we're all a part of the body of Christ and that Jesus is actually the head of the church. And I think if we look across the church, the global church today, we'd actually see a lot of bodies disconnected from the head. And when we're disconnected, when there's disagreement with the head, that's ultimately gonna lead to division. 
And division ultimately leads to destruction. And in reality, what we're facing is the head is saying, you got more in you, keep going, carry light into dark places, reach your city, reach your world. But because we've not developed, because we've not discipled, because we've not taken the time that we need to to train, we find ourselves actually in disagreement with the head of Christ in our church. And it's not just my words that say this. This is out of Matthew 12, 25. It says, uh, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. What's Jesus saying? He's saying where there is division, there will be destruction. It's not just my words. It's what Jesus is saying. But I think as the church body, as my city church, it's time to unite and not only get in agreement with ourselves, but get in agreement with the head and and go forward, carry light into the world, reach the city of Omaha. Come on, does anybody else believe that our best days are ahead of us, that the best is yet to come? Come on. But today we're gonna jump into an old Bible story here. Uh, This one's out of the Old Testament, and I think we know a lot of the Old Testament stories. We know Moses, we know David, we know Abraham. Those are like the, the top five most played from the Old Testament, right? Or if you're an Apple Music user, they have the star next to them. Um, But we're gonna hit a deep cut today. We're gonna go into the Tower of Babel. And I wanna give you guys two quick things uh, not to do. How many of you know it's just as good to learn what not to do as it is what to do? Awesome, so jumping in, Genesis 11, verse one through four, it says, now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered, scattered over the face of the whole earth. The first thing that we learned that they did at the Tower of Babel is they built with the spirit of arrogance. Notice the intentions of the builders. In that last line, it says, let us make a name for ourselves. See, a God dream is never about making a name for ourselves, but a God dream is about lifting up Jesus in our city and blessing people. It's not about lifting up the name of Danny or Pastor Eli, Pastor Kelly, or My City Church. It's about lifting up the name of Jesus. It's about lifting up the name of a God who's alive, who's active, who's looking for a passionate group of people who are ready to reach a city. I want us to all take a minute here and think about our, our journey here at my city. Think about the encounters with God that you've had. Think about the family that you've met. Think about the blessings that you've encountered. And if this is your first time here, just keep coming back. Because I guarantee that you're going to encounter a God that loves you more than you know. You're gonna encounter a family that is on your side and you will encounter blessing like never before. But as we look at all of the things God has done at my city, how sad would it be if we just looked back and it was simply a memory? If we just looked back and it was just a phase, it doesn't exist anymore, but that was a good time in our lives. I don't know about you, but I'm not here to build a memory bank. 
I'm here to be a part of a move of God that's reaching this city like never before. I don't wanna look back and say thank God for the memories. I wanna look back and say thank God I was a part of a movement. Thank God that I was a part of what God was doing here in Omaha, Nebraska. See, what I found is God doesn't mind us attempting the impossible. He just doesn't want us attempting it without him. He doesn't mind us attempting the impossible. He just doesn't want us attempting it without him. See, a spirit of arrogance wasn't the only thing that was plaguing the Tower of Babel. It was also a spirit of disobedience. I wanna jump into 11 verse four. It says, uh, then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. This last verse, otherwise we will be scattered over the whole face of the earth. Like I said, they were also building out of a spirit of disobedience. But in order to understand actually why they were building out of a spirit of disobedience, we have to go back a couple chapters into Genesis chapter nine and into the story of Noah. A lot of us may know it, but I wanna recap it for anybody that may not be following with us. So you have Noah who's alive in this time where God is actually upset with humanity because of their sinfulness and wickedness. But God looks down and says, hey, I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to wipe it out. We're gonna do a fresh restart. I'm gonna send a flood, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill all of humanity. But he looks at Noah and says, if you obey me, I will spare your family. And so he gives Noah this word, and he says, I want you to build an ark so that all of the animals, two by two, male and female, will come and board the ark, and your family will board the ark, and you will be spared. See, God gave Noah a word and he responded with obedience and it was accounted to him as truly wild faith. See, what I found is that obedience is the action that faith requires. Obedience is the action that faith requires. Because if we're not faithful with what God's put in our hands, then it, I would say that we don't have faith that God is gonna come through with the word that he said. So our only acceptable response is to go, okay, God, I have this in my hand. There are trees around me. I can build the ark. See, the rain, eventually, eventually Noah starts building this ark, and it takes him about 100 years to build the ark. You know you, I know me. And if somebody asks me to do something, they just, I say, yeah, I can do that for two weeks, homie. Let alone 100 years when you don't know what's going to happen will happen when everybody around you is telling you that it's not going to happen. But Noah still responded with obedience. See, um, if God gave us a word, can I, can I submit to you today that we are obedient people? And that if God gave us a word, we're gonna hang on to that word. And we're gonna keep doing it. If our leader asks us to do something, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna continue doing what my leader asked me to do. Because ultimately, our job is obedience. And God's job is the outcome. All we can do is be faithful with what's in our hand. I can't control whether God's word is gonna come to, to pass or not. But I can control what's right here in front of me. And that's what Noah was doing. See, because eventually what's going to happen is the rain is going to come, the blessing of God is gonna rest on your life, and you'll realize that all the work that you were putting into this is not gonna be in vain. See, if God has spoken, simply do not give up on that word, whatever it may be. 
And so we see Noah, he obviously builds the ark, the, it rains, uh, it the floods the whole earth. Uh, they land, and eventually we find God speaking to Noah in Genesis chapter nine, verse one. And it says, then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth or scatter. So you see, based on this word that God spoke to them, they are actually in direct disobedience at the Tower of Babel to what God has asked them to do. See, and if you open up your Bible or if you think about your own life, you'll see story after story that goes through this same cycle. It's the cycle that says, it uh, starts with the God's word, but really it's man's disobedience, God's punishment, and then man's repentance. Man's disobedient, God's punishment, and then man's repentance. See, the, the reality is we've always needed a savior, but one that's better than the ark. We need Jesus Christ who carries us through every season, carries us through every storm, through every trial. We've always need a sa needed a savior, and Jesus is our savior, and he's better than the ark. See, what I, what I want us to take hold of today is that the Tower of Babel is actually anti-church. It's the opposite of why we gather on a Sunday morning. We gather to lift up one name, and then that's the name of Jesus Christ. And we gather to encourage each other in the grace of God. We gather to encourage each other, arm in arm, keep going. You can do this. God has more for you. That's what this family is. That's, that's anti the Tower of Babel. See, rest assured that if what we're building is being built out of arrogance and disobedience, God will always stand opposed to it. God will always stand opposed to it. And I wanna jump down to Genesis uh, chapter 11, verse seven and eight. And it says, come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them there over all the earth and they stopped building the city. So we have the people building in a spirit of arrogance. We have the people building in a spirit of disobedience. And then we have God looking down at them and going, I can't, I can't stand for that. I have to stand against it. And his only response is to come down and confuse their language. I find it so fascinating that out of all of the ways that God could have stopped construction of the Tower of Babel, he could have, he could have winked and sent a lightning bolt. He could have spoke and it would have been destroyed. He could have sent an earthquake. He could have just made it disappear. He could have done finger guns big finger guns guy and it would have been gone but he confuses their language because the easiest way to create division is through a lack of communication follow with me here we're going from the macro of church to the micro of our home the easiest way to create division is through a lack of communication any lack of communication that you have in your house is actually creating threads of division and we wanna know why we're struggling in our marriage. We wanna know why 50% of marriages end in divorce. It's because the lack of communication has created a thread of division that ultimately leads to destruction. And call me simple in this, but I feel like the big offenses that are actually little that we hold onto in our heart would be cured in a moment if we just sat down and simply had a conversation. 
with the person that offended us or the person that hurt us. See, it's so important for us as the people of God to grab on to the principles of the Tower of Babel because just as important, just as powerfully does it show the power of unity, it also shows the power of division. And if we can't communicate together, then friends, we can't build together. And if we can't build together a community worth living in, then what's worth it? Because for a community to survive, communication must thrive. See, I wanna make this super simple for all of us today. United we stand, but divided we fall. And before we think it's gonna be some outside factor that destroys our church, before we think it's gonna be a Russian bomb that blows up the city of Omaha, it's gonna be inward division, inward destruction that we start sowing with our conversations. There's not gonna be an attack from the outside that has more power to destroy us than us not controlling our conversations here on the inside. Because what happens is we get loose with our lips and we start to unguard our hearts. And a corrupted heart always has corruptive language. And Pastor Eli preached so brilliantly on this a couple weeks ago during our Ghosted series. Go back and listen to it if you haven't. But he preached out of Proverbs 4.23 that says, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. And he gave us these handles, so great, set your heart. And then constantly check your heart and reset when you have to. Set, check, reset. Can I challenge you this morning that it's, it's when you feel offended the most that you need to guard your heart. Can I challenge you this morning that it's when you feel uh, overlooked, it's when you feel betrayed that you need to guard your heart the most. It's when you feel like you have a right to complain. It's when you feel like you're just that you have to guard your heart the most. See, Jesus says it like this, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Just a little bit of gossip just a little bit of judgment, just a little bit of disunity. But what we don't understand is that we're actually bringing the Tower of Babel, we're bringing a spirit of division into our families, into our marriages, and into our homes. See, closing today here, uh, I just wanna be completely honest with you guys. It's no secret that the last couple years have been a roller coaster. Probably for you, I know for our church, and I definitely know for me. Um, but honestly, the only thing that I've come comfortable with is change. From masks to no masks, shutdowns to reopens, people coming, people going, what seems like World War III knocking at our doorstep. The only thing I can confidently bet on is that tomorrow is going to look differently than today does. And what it really comes down to is I think we're all battling a little bit of what, we're all battling a little bit of unmet expectations. We all had an idea of what these last two years were gonna look like. We all had an idea of what our country, what our world, what our job, what our family, what our XYZ was going to look like. 
and we're dealing with these unmet expectations in our lives. And what unmet expectations do is they actually cause us to start um, giving room in our heart for offense. They cause us to start giving room in our heart for a spirit of bitterness, for a spirit of frustration, for a spirit of anxiety. And the enemy actually uses that foothold. And he's not slick. He uses the same tricks that he's used from the beginning of time. And he sneaks in in that moment of weakness and he, he whispers in your ear, did God really say? Did God really say you're supposed to be here in Omaha? Did God really say you were supposed to start that business? Did God really say you were supposed to marry that person? Did God really say you were supposed to be a part of this church? And when you start asking that question, we move from this place of obedience to disobedience and our conversations start to become uncontrolled. And what may seem like processing with a close friend at first becomes so unhealthy because you understand that they actually feel the same way that you do. And misery loves company. So you start talking about it a little more and rather than it being a place with a brother or a sister who goes, that's not you, God has more for you. God has a plan for you. God wants you here, God loves you. Instead of that conversation, they go, yeah, I feel that way. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, I'm there with you. So rather than being encouraged, you double down on your bitterness. You double down on your frustration. You double down on your offense. And you start bringing other people into that with you because misery loves company. And what turned into you trying to just healthily process the question, did God really say, you're actually sowing seeds of division through your conversations. And this is where I was. No, there's hope on the other side of this. Because there was a moment at the beginning of, of 2021, we're in 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I'm sitting there looking at all of this change that's happening around me on the outside. And I'm like, God, I don't, I don't know how to handle all of this. So I need a new word for what's on the inside of me. And he goes, I've already spoken a word to you. You don't need a new word for this season. And I remember being reminded of our value, faith-filled and confession. When my language was offended, when my language was bitter, God reminded me of faith-filled and confession. Because it says we look into the future with great expectation. We honor the past, but we're most loyal to the future. And our language is full of faith, knowing that the best is yet to come. But where I was, and honestly what I'm seeing right now, is that we don't look into the future with great expectation, and we don't honor the past, and we aren't most loyal to the future. What, we're actually, what I'm actually seeing being said is that our best days are behind us. And none of us would be caught dead saying that. But your actions are speaking louder than your words. And our language is not faith-filled, it's hopeful. God, I hope that you move. God, I hope that you have a plan. God, I hope that the best is yet to come. And I was there a couple months ago. 
And I just remember God speaking to me so clearly. One of the few times that it's happened. And he said this to me. And he said, do you not think that I see beginning from the end? That all, although all this change is happening outside of me and I'm looking for a new word to, to fix what's going on in the inside of me, God is saying, I don't need to give you a new word. We can stand on an old one because my word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we're, we're faith-filled in confession. How? Why? Because I know that our vision statement wasn't just something that a man came up with, but it was a word that God spoke for the city of Omaha. That it was a word that God spoke for my city church. That we are to build a large, Christ-centered, Bible-based church that influences cities towards Christ. So I stand faith-filled on that word, knowing that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that His, that the flowers may fall and the grass may wither, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Come on, if we believe that, let's lift up our hands. Let's lift up a shout of praise. And come on, sing this out. Thank you so much for listening today. And we wanna give a special thank you to those that give so generously to My City Church. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you would like to give today, please hit the link in the description or go to our website at mycitychurch.cc forward slash give. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please hit the subscribe button and share it on all of your social media. We love you so much. We'll see you next week. God bless.